0: There's a thing I joke about which isn't really a joke and it's what I call the douche trifecta and uh, which is just a silly name for what's really... If someone is racist, homophobic and sexist, if they're one, we assume they're the others. I sort of go, it's like a package deal probably would, would be a better name for it. So I look like I just escaped from the Swiss Alps. But so I don't get racism directed at me for the colour of my skin. I don't get racism. I'm not on the receiving end of, you know, go-home immigrant. I'm not on the receiving end of of being perceived as a thug. Or, or I, I absolutely have no understanding of that other than witnessing it to people I love and to family members. How someone who looks like me sees racism is... There's two ways. Two ways I usually can spot a racist. Uh, They ask if I'm German. That's usually (laughs) as in, hey, are you German? Dot, 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 dot. Are you okay with me making a racist joke? Are you on my team? Which is a really stupid assumption because Germans are not okay with racism. English are not okay with racism. Europe's not okay with racism. Apart from the seeds of division sown by the Russians. But in the, for the most part, the rest of the world is pretty horrified by how racist America is. So uh, the other way we can usually spot someone who's going to be racist is that they also tend to hate women. They hate women, they're homophobic. And it's this weird, perverted idea of what's an alpha male. And these uh, super aggressive men that think they're tough guys you know when you hear trump talking about putin's a tough guy and you think no he's not he's, he's a, putin's a little man he's a narcissist he's always like a yapping little dog you know i don't want the it, putin's whole thing is how dare they ignore me which is classic narcissist little man tantrum because when women see a man being aggressive we don't think oh wow what an alpha male when women see men being aggressive, we think they're weak. We think they're weak and pathetic. And, and then these men get in this rage that women don't like them. Incels rage them because women don't like them. It's like, yeah, why would we? You are hateful. You are venomous. You are homophobic. Uh, why would we like you? And, you know, this an example of an incel, I live in a very rich white area at the moment, I'm not living in America. And uh, there's a man who walks his dog. He's a bodybuilder and he's got a pit bull mix of some sort of dog. And he's got a tattoo on the back of his head that says 1%. And it's just like, everything about him is just like, bleh. And anyway, he keeps trying to ask me out. And I'm like, I can't run away fast enough. If I'm at the uh, pharmacy or at the shops or, you know, the other day I was in the main street parking my car and he keeps coming over and going, but we're the 1%, you're like this pure white. I'm like, and I think, do I tell him that my dad's mixed race, but I just came out looking white, looking like Casper? Do I, you know, like on every level, I don't want to have anything to do with this man, but by the same token, this guy is super, super aggressive So I'm very wary of calling him out on his racism or antagonising a guy who is roided up, you know, to the nth degree and could well turn very violent. You know, there's everything about this man's demeanour is aggression and violence. And it's just so unappealing. You see it with the incels going on and on about the men they called cucks and the men they thought were attractive to women. They'd go, oh, Trump's an alpha male and uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he's a cuck. And I'm thinking the men that they think are cucks are the men that we find hot, right? The men that we find hot are the ones that can be playful, are the ones that can be um, masculine enough to be able to be playful. I remember... Uh, in the Caribbean, there was a little girl doing a school ballet and she was struggling with it. And the dad had helped her uh, practice. He'd been at home. He was like a dad with three kids. So suddenly he's on stage. I think he had a baby under one arm and he's doing the ballet with his daughter. This hot, you know, um, I think maybe it was Mauritian. Anyway, this hot a uh, man was standing on this stage doing the ballet and women around the world were like, hello. <laughs> we want a man who'll protect us, not attack us. So a man who comes out of the gate super aggressive, we think, I don't feel safe around this guy. Uh, so um, the other thing, right, so when a guy is super racist, homophobic, sexist, uh, it's, it's underneath all of that is hate and insecurity which is not attractive either. What I'm seeing that's really, really sad is that I'm seeing... There's two family members. I don't have much to do with them, but they're older than me. And I've watched them... The way they've changed by being indoctrinated by Fox News. Now, one of them started off... So he grew up in the 60s and 70s. His best friend turned out to be gay. So his best friend married a woman in the late 70s and then um, left his wife for another man. And, and so this person sort of had grown up with a best friend and grown up with, you know, like being okay with with having friends who were gay and, and not being homophobic. And so I remember a couple of years ago, I travelled and went and saw this person this family member and he was suddenly going oh you know Putin and he was very pro-Putin and I thought you've got to stop watching Fox News you know give me a satellite remote TV remote and I'm going to block Fox News because you need to just stop this crazy propaganda you're watching Putin's not okay you know what what's happening and, and he had all this sort of lionized idea of Putin and I thought this is weird and then um Someone else in the family said, oh, I went and had dinner with that person uh, a few weeks ago and they said they would rather their son was dead rather than gay. So now they've gone full right-wing conspiracy theory, white supremacist. And, um, And just to hear that the person who used to be loving and kind and compassionate is now saying that he would rather his own son was dead rather than gay, just, um, it it shocked me to the core. I couldn't believe that, that he'd chosen hate over compassion and it had just so completely perverted who he was, the, 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 the person I knew when I was growing up. Um, it just blows my mind. Uh, you know, like, it's it's like that thing of, so maybe they're not fully racist, because now most racists seem to think that they've, um Trump has enabled racism, Putin has enabled racism, uh, white supremacy, you know, Bannon was the one doing all the computer games. And, you know, when they started to expose what Bannon was doing and how Bannon made his money years ago was... Uh, selling extra lives and and points and so uh, kids playing computer games could buy their way to advance in ex- and higher levels of computer games, but then he started infiltrating with uh, infiltrating the computer games with white supremacy chatter and then he had teams of students overseas uh, working for what a dollar a, a day or a dollar an hour and putting all of this indoctrination in the chat on computer games. And so kids weren't realising the code words like zombies or code words like red wave and were already being indoctrinated because Bannon was doing this deliberate white supremacy thing. So it's been happening on a lot of fronts. And, and Trump's not. Trump's just the fire alarm, you know, meh, meh, meh. Trump's the obvious squeaking, squeaking wheel, spewing hate. Um, but he's hardly alone. And other people have picked up the mantle since he's, you know, left office. <sighs> Lauren Bobert and M- Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's a whole heap of them who, obviously, they already had that hate in them. There's uh, someone else who is in our, family, our circle of family friends. Now, she was always, you know, she's European, uh, lived in France. She has always, always been extremely racist, which is... Uh, but always been a really hateful person, but an extremely hateful person, but always been super racist, but didn't say it. Always thought she was better than everyone. Um, you know, just just like a horrible person. You already know if someone's racist, they're a horrible person. Y- you assume. Um, but always thought she was better than someone. But now, but no one could see it because she was very social, climy, very fake. And so she'd have these two sides, which was Fake in public, and, and then just a monster behind closed doors, and no one could see what they were really like. So, the good thing about the whole, you know, Trump thing and people feeling emboldened to be outwardly racist is that now we're seeing people's true colours. They're not hiding um, this anymore because they think, hey, it's okay. And when people like her are online talking with all these other racists, they They think that everyone thinks like them, the same way that someone looks at me and sees a blonde woman um, they look at me and they think hey i 'm going to be okay with them being racist towards me so uh, racist telling racist jokes they think i 'm on team team hate so it it just it 's really really sad it 's really sad but it's it 's also a relief that. Suddenly, um, I know a friend just came back from Italy and France and she said, wow, I had no idea what this person was like until I, had, I hadn't I had realised because um, my friend who'd just been travelling as a CEO of a company and the social climbing racist person always uh, did business with this person, so showed their best foot and it's only now that... Um, the racist is showing all of her true colours because she just assumes that everyone's on board with it. The same way uh, when I was at school, there was a racist politician and I couldn't believe uh, in Queensland and her name was Pauline Hanson. And I could not believe that, that she would say these I just spew venom out loud in public. And it just blew my mind that anyone thought like that. And we just, we wrote her off as this stupid aberration, lack of humanity, blah, blah, blah. But then when I travelled to where she's from, years later, I travelled to where she's from and it was kind of the norm. Do you know? <laughs> it was just, there were people in these little country towns in, in the Queensland sticks that that sort of racism was it was how they spoke. And I was working for a national company and I said, it's funny, you you go into these tiny little country towns and the country people are so lovely and so sweet. And the minute they're comfortable with you, whoops, here comes the racism. And I found the same thing in America, that you'd go into these country towns where the people seem so lovely and so warm. And then the minute they felt comfortable, it was less like, out came these. Just I'm not even going to repeat any of it, but just this venomous hate, and you think, wow. <laughs> and I know part of it's that tribal thing, the lowest form of enlightenment. These are people who are not educated. They've left school in year nine. It left school at fourteen uh, to go and work on the farm. So they don't have a huge amount of education. They don't have. They haven't grown up in an urban environment where they have friends of every shade of pink and brown. Uh, because if you've so they can dehumanize, they can watch Fox News with all the us and them and and divisive rhetoric and actually feel quite dehumanized towards or oh, they, they and they can believe all the crazy propaganda. Because you know Murdoch really twigged on something which is which is sad. Murdoch's family weren't like that, and I don't know what poisoned Rupert Murdoch so much. I'm assuming nobody wanted to fuck him when he was young, and so he thought, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why this man just spread so much hate. But the Murdoch thing is, if you fill someone full of fear, you'll, the same as the Catholic Church does, fill them full of fear, and you can control them. These people will keep coming back to you for the solution, and so Alex Jones does it too. He fills them full of fear about the end of the world and then he sells doomsday kits online. Um, The Catholic Church does it, fill you full of fear, but don't worry, pay penance and you can go to heaven. And people who have been more educated or had a broader environment or had a better, um, see themselves as the maker of their own destiny can actually sort of look at this in wonderment and sort of how can... How can anyone be sucked in by that? But remember, if somebody is 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 living in fear, the only part of their brain that's really running the show is the reactive primal brain. The cerebral cortex, the integrated brain that that integrates heart and head, that's not even at the table. It's this reactive brain where they're living in us and them. They're out to get us. And you see it even in people that are extremist football fans, and and there's this, in Europe there's a huge problem with racism at the football stadiums, because those sort of people who are I'm a, an X Y Z supporter and you're you're one of them, and it's the same mentality behind racism, and it's that tribal thing in Maslow's hierarchy. Versus as you become more aware, as you become more compassionate, as you open your heart, as you become more connected, you see that we are all connected. You know, the planet and animals and humans, we are all one. We are all souls or we are all energy and we are all cells in different vessels. We are all part of the same humanity. We are a part of the same planet. We are part of the same everything versus you and 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 this whole sort of like attack everything that's not like me, attack everyone who doesn't look like me. Which is, I mean, it, it's ironic that they call it tribal, because tribes that behave like this perish. You know, tribes that attack everyone um, I, and I get why they call it tribal. Okay, so a tribe was, they were their own little island and anyone coming in might want to attack them and they had to be perceived as a threat. But a tribe that behaved like that would be spending all its energy on fighting and hate. It, would be, it, it wouldn't be harmonious. They wouldn't be spending their energy surviving. They wouldn't be planning for the future. They'd be living in emergency mode. Um, so racist, sexist, homophobic. Yeah, um, so it's a really good advice for women if you're going out on a date. I um, I always tell them, do a test and and make a comment about a race and see if they pick it up. So, you know, like, uh, I I used to, I mean, when I meet new people, I'll often make a comment about Trump and just see what they think. If somebody says to me, oh, what I want to see is, even if they're not as racist as Trump... I want to see if they 're okay with him being racist it was the same when Trump was mocking the the reporter for his um, physical impairment and and people were just like, How is that not the the breaking point?' Because the people who are horrified by Trump being racist or Trump mocking a disabled reporter, those people assume that everyone else has a sense of justice and and fairness and right and wrong, and right and wrong doesn't come into the equation for some people so so if I'm out uh, with a new person who's new in my life, I will be like, "Hey." You know, like, I was watching Colbert last night, blah, blah, blah. Or I was, you know, I'll bring it up in a funny way or I'll say something like, oh, my God, you know, a 100 classified documents and see what they say. And, look, most people, most people are pretty horrified by Trump and um, yet it surprises me who's not. I Years ago, I used to donate white blood... About three, four years ago, I used to donate white blood cells to Cancer Research... And um, with a, there were about 10 of us that did it, because I have very high white blood cell level for a whole lot of reasons. And so the, the doctor from that clinic became sort of a friend of mine. I One of my very dear friends was a researcher there. And I ended up having a drink with the, the doctor a few, maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago. And And seeing him out of just that clinical environment, in the clinical environment, all of our conversation was around the work he was doing. And suddenly I was seeing him in a friend context and he was a very different person. And it was really interesting because my whole body just felt like, oh, there's something off. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I just couldn't. I was like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's off. And so I made some comment and he was like, oh, Trump's really smart in business. And I went, oh, Really, I'm like one. There it is, and uh, and I said, okay, how? And he's basically, he didn't want to say it, but it boiled down to this guy ripped people off and got away with it. Therefore, Trump is clever, in... Trump ripped people off and got away with it. Therefore, he's clever in business. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> no wonder you didn't want to just broadcast that you have no integrity. But th- there's that. And I'm like, oh, there it is. That's why I felt ill. That's why he felt ill. And then uh, fast forward, I don't know, maybe ten minutes, and he started. Uh, they have uh, an office in India. This this company has an office in India, and so they outsource a lot to India. And he went on this rant about Indians. Not about the one person at his job who was annoying him, who happened to be Indian. He made it global, all Indians, and he just went on this just seething rage rant about what he thought about brown men and how white women find them attractive. And then, oh, I'm like, oops, there it is. Um, and then, you know, how stupid immigrants are. And, da, da, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> no wonder my body was sending off alarm bells. Right? So... No wonder I was just getting this horrible feeling around this person who, thank God, managed to keep a lid on it at at a work environment. Thank God he didn't behave like that at work. But also, thank God I saw it and don't have this person in my life. So uh, for women, especially watch out for someone who's racist or homophobic because they tend to... It, it tend, they tend to not like women. It tends to be unresolved hate, unresolved. If someone's super homophobic, we assume they're in the closet. We assume they're really uncomfortable around sex. We assume they've got issues around sex. One, we don't date a guy like that. You don't want to date a guy like that. You don't want someone who's got hang-ups around sex, and you definitely don't want someone who's dating a woman who's secretly gay and ashamed of it. Um, but anyway, it's it's sad, but you know, your job in a relationship is not to be their therapist. Like I always say, you can fix them or fuck them. Okay. So the other reason not to date someone who's homophobic, just look, relationships are hard enough without, and also why would you want to have a friend who's homophobic? Most women have gay friends. Um oh, hopefully most people have gay friends, but most of my female friends have gay friends. And I definitely don't want to be dating someone who would be putrid to someone I love. Um, but also, I don't want to date someone who's racist, because I've got family members and friends who are different nationalities to me and different colours to me. And also, it's just ethically, I have a just I have a problem with having... Them. I don't have people in my life who don't share my values. As much as possible, I try not to have people in my life who I don't think are... Eth- ..who are not ethical. I don't have people in my life who are hateful. I don't have people in my life who scream and rage. I And yet, you know, like I've tolerated people... And the reason why is because I have tolerated people in my life for far too long who were just not who i not good for my soul, not good for my psyche to be around and i 've also been guilty of losing my temper, but I noticed it was because i 'd be around someone there was someone in my life years ago who used to just constantly violate my boundaries, and it was a friend, and I thought they were a friend. And they just constantly violate my boundaries by just taking things without asking or just just in all these just just toxic behavior that you wouldn't if you saw someone else doing it to someone you loved, you'd be horrified. But we tend to put up with these things because we assume that oh the person's damaged. And we've really got them, eventually when I saw, when I saw them treating other people that way, I got it. When I travelled and went away and wasn't around for this person to be toxic to, I came back from overseas and found that they'd just been just as horrible to everyone else around me. And I was like, oh my God, and the only reason they're in your life is because of me. I'm so sorry. So, um... Don't put up with it, don't put up with these people in your life because behind i over and over again I've found out that behind my back these people have been super toxic to other people, to tradies, to people I love, to my friends, and i' I've seen it, and I've sort of gone, oh okay, fine, I feel sorry for them, but we need to stop conflating abuse and mental illness. I think the reason mental illness has such a horrible um, reputation is because abusive people who are, mental illness is not deliberate. Mentally ill people don't choose to have a panic attack. Mentally ill people uh, or don't choose to have anxiety or don't choose to have um, thoughts control them. The mentally ill people I know would do anything to to feel normal or to be able to function and they really struggle and they, they really uh, hate it. And, it and it's hell for them. Abusers choose their behaviour. Abusers can turn it on and off. Abuse is deliberate, but abusers pretend that they're mentally ill. Abusers will have a label and they'll use that as an excuse like, oh, well, I'm bipolar, I can't help it. And I'm like, yeah, but you're also nasty. I know someone who's bipolar, who's, you know, who's not venomous. I know someone who's got this sort of mental illness, who's not abusive. An abuser, you can actually, you can see their their mind clicking over. Like that family member, the, the one in France, who is the racist. I remember as a child, I'd see her... Even in my 20s, I think I saw her in my 20s one day. I watched her. She was just standing very still and very quiet. And you could literally see her brain t- and this evil glint of like hate and glee on her face and the glint in her eyes. And she was ticking over. And then all of a sudden just out poured all this hate and venom. And I thought, this is the thing. This is deliberate. And then she's like, well, I can't help it. You know, I can't help. And I'm like, well, you can. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Because you, you literally plot and scheme and we need to call out abuse as abuse not mental illness because it will destigmatize mental illness and most of the people when we in australia they do a thing called are you okay day i don't know if they do it in the rest of the world where you check on people and i always say look out for the rescuers they're not okay And it's the people who are struggling who are usually the kind, sweet ones. The people who are actually struggling who are not okay are the ones who are taking care of everyone else. So, and the people who are struggling who are not okay, it's usually because of someone really toxic who's doing nothing to change, who other people are enabling, who's gotten away with it for so long and nobody protected the victim and the victim's struggling. I remember the police contacting me um, when my ex tried to kill he tried to kill his new partner and the police contacted me to ask if I was safe and didn't know I knew about the new partner, but I was working in domestic violence, so I didn't know what was happening. Uh, because people were talking about it, not realizing I put two and two together. But the cops sort of went, Hey, you need to have therapy, you know, you need to just you need to deal with this and you need to move on and I'm like I literally just found out that he's trying to kill the next person he's dated. And you're telling me to move on. Yeah, I can. I'm moving on. I'm doing healing. But by the same token, I'm not going to be okay until he's behind bars. I'm not going to be okay until I feel safe, which is either he attacks a cop, which is what he ended up doing, um, or he uh, is dead, and a lot of women who've been on the receiving end of extreme violence and death threats from a partner, they don't feel safe until they're dead. But the one thing that blew my mind when I was working in family violence was this, these reports that were coming out saying a lot of the time the abuser never goes to jail for bashing the wife and kids, the abuser goes to jail for bashing a stranger. And I remember a little boy I worked with uh, who's now an adult, uh, he was probably 11 at the time, um, and he said to me, he said, that was what broke his heart, that um... so he was. He, he told me about a situation when he was 11, he was probably 16, 17 at the time, he told me, and he said what broke his heart was that the police did nothing. when They'd come and they'd talk to the dad and they'd, they'd give him a warning when he was saying he was going to kill him and his sister and his mum. And then he finally, the first time he ever went to jail was when he physically assaulted a neighbour. And then the police kept letting him off and then the the guy went back and killed the mother. So now these two kids had a father in jail and a mother and they'd had years and years of the police doing nothing and letting him off with warnings. And... This is, happens in Australia all the time. I know America's gotten more on board with seeing family violence as the precursor to every serial killer has a history of family violence, every single one. You know, they used to say, oh, they never had a pet. That's not true. A lot of them had pets they tortured. But every serial killer, every mass murder has come from family violence, emotional abuse, physical abuse, uh, really, really sick, twisted beliefs in the family where they're never taught how to harmoniously resolve issues. Um, They've been around a situation where they've learned that the way to solve a problem is through violence. And I've seen this, you know, in 10 years and thousands and thousands of cases. Um, And the problem is that young men because they're strong or because they're filled with testosterone, if they're not taught how to be gentle, if they're not taught how to be role models, if they're not taught how to be good people, if they grow up learning that the way to solve something is through violence, of course they're going to turn into violent young men. And of course they're going to look for people like that. And then with the internet... These just this hate can all find each other and just be drawn like fireflies to to things that that increase the turmoil and increase the hate and increase the the that pattern of abusers where they see themselves as the victim like incels who are going around doxing people threatening people Um online, they see themselves as the victim because women don't want to sleep with them. So they're hateful and they're venomous and they're abusive, verbally abusive to strangers, but they see themselves as the victim. I know that when I was doing a lot of speaking on TV for about family violence and about domestic violence, I used to be on Facebook, I would get three or 400 private messages from strangers telling me they wanted to kill me, from men telling me they wanted to kill me because i spoken because i'd spoken in public about domestic violence because i i went on a national tv and i talked about the warning signs about abuse so i would get bombarded with death threats facebook did nothing about it facebook is incel central facebook did nothing about it when a very famous australian woman was getting death threats on her timeline and then 5 minutes later they banned her for Showing a photo of her breastfeeding her baby, and you couldn't even see the nipple, so she got banned from Facebook for a breastfeeding photo, but Facebook didn't take down all the death threats um and it made the story in the media, and there was uproar, but still, I mean she was also a very outspoken civil rights person, and of course racist homophobes they, they hate they hate anyone that empowers you know there's a there's a they hate anyone that empowers them. So there's a great cartoon that I saw in America, and it's got um, people, it's got Democrats versus Republicans in the cartoon. And on the Democrat side, it's, they're all holding up placards saying we, we, you know, what's good for everyone? How do we help everyone? How do we make the world better for everyone? And it's that thing of, because I suffered, therefore, I don't want you to suffer. For example, the student debt forgiveness, everyone 's going well, just because I had to pay you know like ten thousand dollars or whatever um, i don 't want you to have to struggle i don 't and I know that the student debt thing it was something ridiculously high, like for every ten thousand dollars of debt you 're paying forty thousand in interest because it 's such tiny payments that the interest is compounding so and it became one of those huge scams that this government 's lending money, and then the payments uh, are stretched over such a long period of time. The government was making a fortune from lending money. They make the, the, the fees high and then they make a fortune from charging them to do university degrees that they tell them they have to have a university degree to get a certain job, which is rubbish. Um, OK, so on the Democrat side, it was we. How can we make the world better for everyone? And on the Republican side, everyone was holding up me, me, me. Me. I'm a, and that was all white men in the cartoon, and it was me. What's best for me? And it's to hurt brown people. Like uh, Jordan Klepper used to say, Trump supporters don't care if he hurts everyone, if they do introduce a law that hurts them, as long as it hurts brown people more. Trump supporters don't care if Trump does something that fucks them up, as long as he hurts others more. Race and and you know, Jordan Klepper was hilarious. He said they come up with the craziest shit. I just wonder the mental gymnastics. But, but they, he said, the theme was always they were trying to just they were really just they love the racism, and they're just making they don't care about all the crap that goes with it because they they're on board with the racism. And when he questioned, when Jordan Klepper questioned them. What if Trump did this? What if Trump did that? They were just like, oh, well, you know, and they went, so it's really about, (laughs) you would just like distill it down, it's really about the racism. So it's me, me, me. So the the old white men who've banned abortion in these states, in the red states, they're like going, okay, let's hurt women, let's hurt brown people, let's hurt immigrants, let's hurt trans. You know, Lindsey Graham and, and a couple of others are coming out saying they are going to now you know, the federalist uh, influences, Christian federalist fundamentalists are going to try and ban same-sex marriage. They're going to, you know, they're stopping, they're doxing trans people who read to children at libraries. They They just want to attack everyone who's not a white male because they have this weird perverted idea that the way to for a white man to succeed in America, they have to push everyone down. And then they have and because hateful people think everyone else is as hateful as them, now they've got this Jews will not replace us, replacement theory, nonsense, because what they're saying is, wow, if we don't control them, if we don't oppress parentheses them, they might get some success, and then they'll do it to us, which is nonsense. I mean, Look, they should racists should be very grateful that black people just want uh, justice and they don't want revenge. uh you know, it there's a there's a quote and it's just like make racists afraid again and and be grateful black people want civil rights and not revenge. Well, yeah, they should be because this whole thing. I mean, there's already more of so the white man, the rest of America is already more. Uh, already outnumbers, you know, half the population is women. Uh, and in, you know, a lot of the the blue states, there's a a very mixed population. And of course, if, if we really were as evil as those who are trying to oppress everyone, and if we really had the same agenda, they wouldn't stand a chance. You know, for all of their arming themselves to their teeth with their guns and their aggression and their hate speech, they really... If they did rise up with this red wave, they keep threatening. They they know that they'd soon be shot down. They know that they wouldn't get very far. So um, it's just, and and you know what's ironic about it all? They were white. The the white racist male, and I'm going to say old old maggot. Let's just for the sake of giving them a label. Um, you know, the Oath Keepers crowd, the the January 6th Storm the Capitol crowd, that old white MAGA hate male, white male. And there are others in there. There are Oath Keepers who are Mexican, which blows my mind, um, or foreign. But that that particular cliche uh, parody of, of uh, a racist, they were so busy oppressing brown people. I remember I was in America when the study came out that Asian men were the highest earners in America, not white men, because they were all working as surgeons and doctors and it was just hilarious. They'd been so busy look over here let's oppress black men because they're they you know hotter and fitter and better athletes and they're more attractive. Let's let's just you know fuck them, fuck them, you know like, let's keep them down, let's oppress them and they were so busy attacking black and brown men they'd forgotten about Asians right? <laughs> it was just like the Asian men were like, well, while they and now, of course, once that's come out and because of COVID, sadly, now there's hate towards Asians too. They already hated them. They just, their hate was busy being directed somewhere else. And now the hate is, um, you know, like now let's share the hate, you know, as opposed to spread the love. So watch out for the douche trifecta and assume that if there's one, then they usually, it comes in. it comes as a package deal. If someone so, before you allow someone in your life, um, check if they're homophobic. Check if they're sexist. Check if they're racist. Because usually the way we find out someone's toxic is once we already have them in our lives. Usually people are on their best behaviour for a start, and especially the most toxic people charm or love bomb. So if you want to know, and you want you know if you want to know what someone's like, see how they treat their enemies. But they're not going to tell you. I know over and over again in the past when I've had an off feeling about someone and I've asked them and I've said, hey, it concerns me, Stephen, that you don't have a single friend. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's just because all I've been doing is working for the last five years, da, da, da. And then you find out, oh, no, no, that was a huge red flag and they lied about it. So if you ask, if somebody... if you ask the toxic person, or if you ask the abusive person, or if you ask a, a hateful, violent person, they usually won't tell you the truth. Um, okay, maybe more now, or maybe if they they think that it's safe to tell you, but usually they'll hide their bad behavior because they know deep down it's not okay. So look for other clues um, because you know words are cheap, but but behavior speaks volumes, right? So. I remember, um, oh God, what was his name? The trillionaire guy. I used to be mates with this guy who, um, and he said, "Don't you know I'm a psychic? Uh, I ignore their words and I look at their actions." He said, "I ignore the empty promises and I just look at what they actually do." He said, "I look at if they if they follow through on what they say they're going to do." So he said, "People will promise me the earth because they want to do business with me, but I look at I look at how they behave. I look at." And another thing that that he did, he used to do that American cliche thing where for a job interview, when you're doing the third round interview, they take them for a game of golf or a game of racquetball slash squash. And they see if they cheat during the game, they won't do business with them. If they lose their temper and throw a tantrum, if somebody beats them, they won't employ them. Because they want to see how people do Sport is how they do life, or how if people are bad losers, or if people throw a tantrum, or if people cheat to get ahead, they know that that's what they'll be like in business. And as Saxon always says to me, how people drive is how they do life, right? I thought this was an amazing insight for um for someone to sort of go. I watched. Um, two different personality types In he, he watched two different people in his family, one who just sort of drove like they were in the flow and they were having fun. And he said, that's how they do life. And he said, I watched the the person who's um, a, a bipolar. And he said, I watched her overtake on the wrong side of the road, stop in the middle of the intersection and have a screaming meltdown and say she's not going to deal with it and make everyone else deal with it. And and she'd be throwing a full tantrum and then look around like, ha, 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 look how clever I am. I made everyone else, which is full narcissism. And and Saxon said, this is exactly what she's like in life. And now on the road is a micro version of that. He said, you know, like they, they joke about, you know, watch out for the BMW drivers because they're super aggressive. I actually saw one yesterday who just kept trying to ram other cars in front of me. And I'm behind watching this thing and thinking do i put the dash cam online <sighs> because i was just watching him over and over again change lanes and everyone else had to move out of the way so they didn't hit, so this car didn't hit them and i just thought what's and he had passengers in the car and i'm thinking what sort of person it, the beha- it just blew my mind this behavior of just like the way this this bmw driver yesterday was driving was just like like he was trying to ram into everyone and i thought what must they be like in life that that's how they are on the road it was crazy and for a start the first time it happened i thought maybe he's just a terrible driver and not aware and then i realized it was actually this this like extreme aggression but he would change lanes, and so people would almost hit him by like that, miss by three inches, and they'd suddenly have to swerve. Thank God there was no on um, oncoming traffic, because I watched for about ten minutes. I just watched this person just be so like so aggressive. I was amazed his car wasn't covered in dents, but it was just them this person who this bmw driver could not have been a happy human being nobody who's happy behaves like that nobody who's uh, balanced or rational behaves like that and so there used to be these you know watch out for the bmw drivers because they they're super aggressive the personality that buys a bmw is the aggressive the salesman da, 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 da. and it was this sort of joke and i remember forbes magazine did a study, they did all these personality tests and then they matched them to the drivers. And then Forbes released, yeah, BMW drivers are assholes. And they it was like, ha ha ha. And everyone who's like, mm hmm, um, they are. They are, well, they're more aggressive. And so Forbes then equated being more aggressive with being an asshole. And they also only care about themselves. That was what this, this I think it was 3,000 surveys and they found that there was a, like, the Venn diagram was a pure circle of only cares about themselves, super aggressive, drives a BMW, seemed to be the the overlap. And, um, but then Saxon took it one step further where he said, you know, how they drive. If they drive like they're in flow, that's what they're like in life. If, and that's how, they, that's how they go through life is how they, how they drive is an example of what they're like. If you want to know what someone's like, watch how they drive. If the tiniest little thing upsets them and they fly into a screaming rage, you know, watch out. You don't want to have them around. Um, be aware that's what they'll be like if, if something upsets them they'll rage um, if they're at fault. It, you, you do see this. I mean, we are aware of this, but it, it was so, having someone point it, you know, like it's sort of one of those things, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you see the, the bad ones, but I hadn't actually seen the good ones until it was pointed out. I hadn't actually seen, oh, wow, look it. And I remember one of my friend's because I was a kinesiologist and just very uh, always as with kinesiology and being and therapy and being a therapist you're always watching what other people are doing and observing and she said it's really interesting watching you drive this my friend Elena said to me she said you already know when to change lanes she said "I'll you she said I'll watch you change lanes and I'll think why and then a minute later some car will swerve into your lane she said how do you know and I said well he was sort of he was sort of drifting into my lane, and he was looking over his show. Of course I know, because I'm paying attention, right? So if you pay attention on the road, you can tell what the other drivers are going to do. And Jerry Seinfeld, the comedians in Cars show, he talks about this. And he also has the same theory about BMW drivers. And he was like, there's trouble. (laughs) He said this, because he's driving super expensive vintage cars on the show, and he doesn't want them hit. So he said he just avoids BMW drivers altogether, because he doesn't want his cars, because he loves the car and doesn't want it hit. I thought that was so funny. And look, obviously, I'm, I'm sort of joking about the BMW drivers. Relax. Because I guess what? I don't want aggressive, angry people <laughs> harassing me because I've called them out for being aggressive and angry. What's funny is the only people who are going to get upset by me making fun of BMW drivers are exactly the sort of personality type I'm talking about. It's like when I spoke on TV about you know, the Me Too movement, how the men who write not all men are always the abusive men. And we, the, the TV journalist talked about in England, the men who were writing to the editor, you know, uh, oh, okay. So there were, there was a female journalist in the UK and she was getting death threats. She was just going on TV speaking about sport and she'd get all these death threats from male strangers in the way the male journalists didn't get. And so they started, because they were using social media, they started looking at these men's profiles and they were all family men. And they said all the men who threatened to kill this total stranger all had not all men, as in not all men are violent, on their profile. And they and the, the I think it was The Guardian said, so he in, now we know if someone has not all men, definitely that one. If, if someone has not all men, they're much more likely to be violent and they're angry that violent men are being ca- called out because someone who's not violent is going to be horrified by the idea of a violent person. Someone who's honest is going to be... It's, it's like, um, you know, if, if the partner's cheating and you ask if they're cheating and they fly into a rage, then you know they're cheating. There's, there's tells. There's tells. If someone's um, dishonest, they're going to get really up. It's like the people who are really upset about Trump being exposed at the moment. A lot of the time it's either because they're implicated and they're about to get a knock on the door or a subpoena. They're about to get charged. And they're the ones who are, how dare they do that to Trump? Or they're um, upset because they're kind of similar. I mean, a lot of people, it blew my mind, and I, I've already said this, a lot of people loved the fact that Trump had been a bully and been unethical and gotten away with it. That just blew my mind that people thought that was a good thing. And the, the racist in, in France, she used to say, you know, like she loved how much of a bully he was. She loved it because she equated that with being tough. She had this uh, twisted idea that, that aggression is toughness because her grandparents committed genocide. So, you know, apple tree, right? So, And they made a fortune um, from colonialism that her grandparents had made an, an obscene amount of money. And so she equated aggression with success. She'd taken this... Instead of looking at her grandparents and being horrified, like her brothers are, she looked at her grandparents and were like, well, see, see, aggression is rewarded. And so she went through her whole life from the stories I've heard from others too. She's gone through her whole life being super aggressive and cutthroat and super unethical in business. And and then complains that that she feels like everyone hates everyone. She says everyone would hate her if they knew what she was really like. And I'm like, yeah, they would. <laughs> um, but she also thinks that everyone thinks like her, right? So unethical people think that everyone, I, I remember my ex saying to me, "Everyone's everyone on the planet is a bottomless pit of hate and everyone's out to get me. And I I like burst into laughter. I thought he was joking, but he really wasn't. He really thought, his parents thought like that and they'd filled his head with these ideas that everyone hates you and everyone's out to get you. So no wonder he spent his whole life screaming at everyone. No wonder he had no friends because he really thought that everyone hated him and everyone was out to get him, which is incredibly sad. But you can't use logic to try and talk someone out of this. If this is what's running their whole life and this is the whole, that belief and all the legs holding it up, that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, short version to, to recap, avoid racist, sexist, homophobic. You know why you don't even need me to tell you, but if you're not sure, if you're not sure if someone, but basically back to, it comes back to trust your gut. If something feels off, trust it, trust it, trust your gut. Way more than anything, someone's saying to you when they're trying to show you what a nice person they are. You know, don't don't get involved with if. And the other thing, by the way, there's there's more than clues. Guys who don't wanna, guys who cheat, will say things up front, like, oh, you know, I cheat. I'm not a good guy. Ha 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 ha. You know, I never commit. Ha 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 ha. They tell you nasty people will make jokes about it's almost like they they can't help themselves but blurt it out. Pay attention. Uh, pay attention and and ask ask about their enemies. Ask about fights they've had. Ask about how they resolved conflict with other people. That'll tell you volume that will speak volumes as well. Anyway, good luck out there. To all the rescuers, pick other rescuers as friends. Seriously. Stop hanging around toxic people thinking you can change them. You can't.